Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Mark chapter 4. We need to know how to fight the good fight of faith. Faith believes it receives from God, but then it has to fight. It has to fight to maintain believing, to continue to believe because there's always unbelief that's coming against our believing. There's always things coming to undermine what God said. And we see it right here in Mark chapter 4. Jesus was giving a parable, and in this parable, in explaining the parable, he says in verse 15, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, talking about the word of God, where the word is sown or planted. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately. And takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now how does the devil do that? How does the devil come and take the word of God from someone's heart? It's been sown into their heart. And as soon as that word is sown, notice how diligent the devil is. Well, you know, we've got a, dev- a, a diligent devil for an adversary. He's diligent. He's on it. As soon as the word's sown, how fast is he on it to try to take that word? Immediately. Immediately. A lot of times that's why a lot of folks do lose the word. It's because the devil's more diligent about the word than they are. Than a lot, of, a lot of Christians, a lot of believers. We've got to be diligent when it comes to the word of God. We've got to be diligent to take hold of the word. You got to be diligent to hear it. Hear the word. Hear the word. Be diligent to hear it. The devil's diligent. He's diligent to take it the moment you do hear it. And so that's all a part of this fight, this fight of faith. We know the word of God is called over Romans 10, the word of faith. Because Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So the devil's coming to take the word because why? Because he wants to take your faith. He doesn't want you to have faith because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And faith is our shield that quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Well, if you don't have faith, then you got nothing to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one with. The enemy's going to come and he's, gonna, he's just going to come into your life and just plunder and he's going to hit you with his darts. And so that's why he doesn't want you to have faith because he doesn't want you to have a shield. He doesn't want you to have victory over whatever he comes against you with. So it all comes down to our faith, how important it is for us to have and maintain our faith. The devil knows it. He knows how important it is. He knows how important it is. So he comes immediately to take it. So how does he actually do that? How does he take the word from a person's heart? By presenting to them the very opposite of what God promised. God says one thing and the devil comes and he tries to undermine it by saying something that's completely the opposite or showing us something or causing things to happen that are completely the opposite of what God promised. So a lot of times when you hear the word about something, like for example, we received a word from the Lord uh, New Year's Eve, that 2020 is the year of plenty. And there was some great utterance in that word that was ministered. If you missed our New Year's Eve service, I encourage you to go online and listen to that, listen to that message because it's a word in seasons for us. This is what God is wanting to build our faith up in. By giving us this word that 2020 is our year of plenty. And there's all kinds of reasons why it needs to be 
a year of plenty for us because it affects the kingdom of God. It affects God's agenda in the earth. It affects what God wants to bring to pass in the world. He does it through his people. He does it through the faith of his people. And so it's very important for God's people to prosper. So God's given us this word of prosperity to start off the new year. So what do you think the enemy's gonna do? If he comes immediately to steal that word, what does he do? He tries to create the very opposite. He tries to make it look like instead of prospering, you're being plundered. Right? He'll try to stir up negativity in our life. He'll try to create the very opposite of what God promised. This is how he steals it. The word of God promises us health. I was just reflecting on, you know, just how wonderful the word of God is and the amazing promises of God. You know, and of course, I've been preaching it in this church for 25 years. But you know, you just, sometimes you just got to pinch yourself and really think about how real this is. That Jesus actually told his disciples to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, that right there. I mean, how long we preached that, talked about that, heard that. But yet, just the other day, it was like, pinch. Wow. This is real. He wants you to have days of heaven right here on the earth. Now, of course, we can't walk in the fullness of that because, you know, death is here. There's a devil here. There's adversity. There's things here in the earth that are not in heaven. And they're not going away until Jesus returns and he takes the devil and death and he casts them in the lake of fire. Which is a good thing to remind the devil of every once in a while because he tries to forget that. But we'll just continue to remind him of his fate. His future is very, very bleak. It's very dark. It's a lake of fire. What a destiny. He's got nothing to look forward to. You understand? That is depressing. You understand how depressing that is? You want to talk about depression? Just think about the devil. I mean, he's got himself a lot to be depressed about this morning. I mean, it is written. He's going to be cast into the lake of fire to be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever. What a terrible thing to have to think about. Well, you can see why he doesn't want to think about that. But it's important for us to remind him of it. It's important for us to bring this to his attention. He is going in the lake of fire. So he, but for now, he is here in the earth, and he's, you know, he causes issues that they don't particularly experience in heaven. Yet, there is a degree of heaven on earth that you and I are to be experiencing in this life. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Christ, Galatians 3.13, has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, what is that? Well, you go through it. It's everything that you would call a curse in life. Christ has redeemed us from it having become a curse for us. So he wants us blessed and not cursed. Of course, we look at the life of Abraham. Abraham was blessed. It wasn't a life free of adversity, but nevertheless, the man was exceedingly blessed. And the Bible says that Christ became a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, might come upon you and I. In Christ Jesus. Think about that. The blessing of Abraham. We've got the blessing of God on our life. He wants us to have days of heaven right here on the earth. I mean, these these are some amazing, amazing promises. So when we hear plenty in 2020, yeah, of course. I mean, that's consistent with the scriptures. This is God's will for our life. But again, the enemy comes to try to paint a completely different picture than the one that God is putting in our hearts. And if we believe the devil, if we believe the circumstances, 
if we believe the negativity, then what happens? The word of faith, the faith of God is snatched. It's taken from us, leaving us with no faith. Think about that. Wouldn't it be a waste of time for you to come to church and have the word sown into your heart and rise up with faith only for you to not have any faith by the end of the week? And yet, I'm telling you, this happens all the time. Because the enemy comes immediately. He comes to take the word from people's hearts. So we need to be very vigilant and recognize what the devil does and how he is seeking to steal our faith. He's trying to devour our faith. And so we have to be, we have to be aware of this. And we have to protect the word that we're hearing. Protect the promises of God. And when the negative comes, when the opposite of what God says comes, what do we do? Well, we whine and complain and say, why is this happening? I don't get this. God said. Is that what we do? What, what, what do we do? We rise up and we speak what God says. We declare the word of faith. We speak the truth. We say what God says in the face of everything that seems the exact opposite. That is the fight of faith. Now, a lot of folks have faith. It's just not fighting. And if your faith isn't fighting, then it's going to be taken from you. And that's what happens to a lot of people. you got to immediately go into warfare mode. Right now. God's reminding you of some things this morning. Bringing the word to our remembrance. Now you got to go into warfare mode. And you got to be ready now. Take this word and start speaking it. Take this word and start declaring it. And when negative stuff comes, go, okay, I understand. I understand why this is coming. I understand what's going on here. No, 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 no. This is what God said. I believe it, and that settles it. It'll all come to pass. It's happening right now. God's word is working right now in my life. And and guess what's going to happen? The devil's going to turn up the heat. A lot of times, he doesn't just run away at the first sight of your resisting. Just because you stand up and resist doesn't mean he flees immediately. He'll persist. He'll persist. And a lot of times, it's right there in that persisting of the enemy that so many Christians fail and lose the promises of God. They lose their faith. They lose their faith. Now all they have is a letter. Now all they have is just the letter of what they heard, but it's not, it's not, it, they're not in faith about it. They're not really believing it. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, you can hear something and not really believe it. And so they did believe it, but now they don't, don't believe it because it's stolen. See, the faith is stolen from them. Now it's just, now it's just a day. See, he steals it from their heart, but you see the, 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 the letter, the residue of the word, which is the letter, that'll stay in your head. And that's perfectly fine. The devil will keep the word in your head, but he'll take it from your heart because that's when it is faith. The word in your heart is faith. So he doesn't mind it in your head. See, it didn't say he comes and takes it so you, don't, you forget it. Now, you won't, you won't necessarily forget what you heard. You won't necessarily forget the promises of God. But is it in your heart? Is it in your heart? Or is it now it's just, just sitting up here in your head? Well, how do we know? How do we know? Well, what's in your heart it's alive. It's real to you. It's life to you. You believe it. You believe it is. Everything God says, it is. And you fight. Because that's what faith does. Faith in your heart fights. And how does it fight? It rises up and it declares the word of God in the face of negativity. I mean, it'd be nice, you know, you hear the promise. And, uh, you know, you believe and boom, there it is. 
You know, you see it all fulfilled right there immediately. But so many times that's not the case. So many times the promises of God, we don't see them fulfilled instantaneously. You know, upon hearing it, upon believing it. We believe it. Praise God. And then we don't necessarily see it right away. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. See? And it's by faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Over in Hebrews. Why don't you turn there? Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And in verse 11... It says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Says that word diligence again. We know the devil's diligent. Right? What's he diligent to do? Take that word from your heart. All right? Notice what he says here. He says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Be diligent all the way to the end. That you do not become sluggish. My margin says lazy. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Notice that. Faith and patience. Patience. So you got to have them both. It's not, just, it's not just faith. You need patience, which is endurance. It's being able to stand and continue to believe. Continue to believe. You know, faith is believing, right? Patience is the ability to continue to believe. Continue to believe. And of course, patience is something we're to be growing in, developing. And guess what helps develop your patience? The very thing that's trying to take your faith from you. Trials and tests. Trials and tests. Remember that over in James chapter 1? The third chapter? Third verse, rather? He says, knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces patience. So somebody says, Lord, help me. I, I, I pray that, God, you just give me more patience. Okay. How's he going to do that? He's going to let you fight the good fight of faith in the midst of trials and tests. So notice this. The devil comes to steal your faith from your heart. And so the Bible says, by faith and patience, you're going to inherit the promises of God. So as the, as, as, the, ad, as the adversary is coming against your faith, trying to steal it from you by bringing adversity your way, as you resist that adversity, your patience grows. Your patience grows. And so it's through your faith and your patience. You're staying in there, staying with it. That's going to cause you ultimately to see the fulfillment of what God promised. Can you say amen? amen. See, we've got to be willing to stay in there. I think I'm losing a lot of excitement in the room. I just, <laughs> you, feel, you kind of feel it's like an air going out of a balloon. It's like patience. Can you feel it? Let's, let's get it back in here. You know, we want the, the, the hope. Let's get the hope back in here. It's going to be okay. We need this. I said we need this. Faith and patience. Here's the exciting part. You're going to inherit the promises of God. Woo, Hallelujah. You're going to have plenty. You're going to have days of heaven on earth. You're going to see God's salvation, God's deliverance, God's best come to pass in your life. You're going to see it. I said you're going to see it. 
Amen. If you continue to believe it. You got to continue to believe it. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, while doing the word. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we do not, see, that's a big one, right? If, that if right there, if we do not lose heart. Now God, how do you know God's faithful? If he says, you shall, you shall reap. You shall have a harvest. You shall reap what God has sown in your heart. You shall reap the word of God. You shall reap the promises of God in your life. If God says you shall, then you shall. If you don't lose heart. See, it's contingent on us, isn't it? See, a lot of times everything just puts things, put things off on God and says, you know, you know, God, if it's going to happen, it's just going to happen, you know. And if it's not going to happen, well, then, you know, it's just not God's will. No, 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 no. There's a lot of things God wants to happen. And it shall happen. What he said shall certainly come to pass. If, if we do our part and don't lose heart, that's the key. But a lot of times, folks lose heart. They grow weary in their well-doing. And that's the part that we have to build up and keep ourselves from growing weary. We need longevity when it comes to faith. We have to have the attitude, I'm in this for the long haul. Come hell or high water. Doesn't matter what comes my way. By the grace of God, I'm going to stand on the promises of God. I'm going to believe God, and I will see his salvation in my life. I will see the fulfillment of everything he promised in my life. It shall all come to pass. Somebody say, it shall all come to pass. Now again, the storms of life are going to come. That's why he says, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. He wouldn't say, see, he wouldn't tell us these things. If there weren't going to be lots of things to come to cause us to grow weary, to try to get us discouraged, to try to make us feel like it's not going to happen. But it shall happen. It shall all come to pass. If we don't get discouraged. So how do you keep yourself from being discouraged? You got to do like King David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. I mean, it looked like everything was stolen from him. I mean, he was plundered. He comes home one day, him and his men, and everything, even their families were taken away, taken captive. I mean, they were completely plundered. And the men that were with David, these mighty men, they all fell into hopelessness. They all became discouraged. They were weary from crying because they had lost their their wives, their children, all their possessions. They were devastated, devastated. And David himself was tempted to be overwhelmed and devastated. These men were so devastated that they wanted to kill the preacher. That made all these promises to them from the Lord. Of course, it was the Lord's promises to David, right? And David would come out and he'd tell them what the Lord is telling them. What the Lord is telling him. What the Lord has for them. And yet, here they are. Everything is Gone in one day, suddenly, I mean, without any warning. Wham! Where did this come from? And they're all discouraged. But the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. 
Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. He went back into his quiet place with the Lord, and he began to talk to the Lord about everything God had promised him. He began to reflect on all the things God said and the covenant that he had with God, this covenant of protection, this covenant of blessing. And he encouraged him. Thank God he did. I mean, those guys were ready to stone him, the Bible said. They were ready to stone him. They had to take it out on somebody. But he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And faith rose up in his heart. And he said, Lord, do you want me to pursue this troop, these, these plunderers? Will I be able to overtake them and recover? What's been taken? And the Lord spoke to him. Once he was encouraged. Once he got encouraged on what God already promised, on what God already said, he was ready to hear something else. He was ready to get some direction from the Lord. And the Lord said, pursue and overtake, for you shall surely recover all. And he went in there and told his men, he said, let us go. And they went, and when they got there, guess what? All the stuff wasn't just sitting there, packaged and wrapped for them. They had to fight. I said they had to fight. And thank God these men went in there by faith in what God had promised David, and they fought a good fight, defeated the Amalekites, and took back everything the devil stole from them. Sometimes you got to take it back. Has the devil ever taken anything from you? Has he taken faith out of your heart? Has he taken hope from your heart? Has he taken stuff from you and robbed you of the, of the blessings of God? Take it back. Take it back. Sometimes you just got to take it back. Don't sit there whining and cry and say, God, what are you going to do about it? God's saying, rise up. Pursue. Overtake. For you shall surely recover all. And then you got to have the courage to do it. Got to have the courage to do it. Now, there were some folks that went with David. They couldn't go all the way. They had so worn themselves out with whining and crying, they didn't have strength to go all the way to the battle. So David just left them. You know, he went halfway, and he told them, now, you watch our stuff. We're gonna, I'm going to put you in charge of just watching our stuff. And the rest of them that had the strength to keep going and fight, they went and did so. But we don't want to be these folks. We just wear ourselves out and just wear ourselves out so that we just have no fight left in us whatsoever. No fight left in us whatsoever. Friend, we're in a battle. It's a faith battle. The enemy's trying to steal your faith. He wants to rob you of the promises of God that are in your heart. Because if he can steal it out of your heart, he could steal it from your life. He could take it from your life. And, of course, it's very easy if we're discouraged in our hearts concerning the promises of God so that we've lost our faith in what he has promised us. It's very easy at that point to lose things we've already received from God, that we've already, we already have, that have already manifested in our life. Because you start complaining, you start whining, and you'll start losing even what you do have. Even what you do have will be taken from you. So we have to guard ourselves. I said we have to guard ourselves. We have to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. I said we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Encourage ourselves in the word of God. Thank God I believe some of you are getting some encouragement this morning. Thank God for church. See, we we need to be able to come to the house of God and be encouraged. That's why we have services. That's why God set that up. He knew we were going to need to come together. To encourage one another, to be encouraged in the word of God. But friend, it's not enough. You've got to encourage. You've got to take the encouragement that you've received and you've got to now continue the encouraging of yourself. You've got to continue to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. Devil's a liar. He's a liar. God speaks the truth. What are we going to believe, the truth or a lie? I'm going to believe the truth. I'm not going to listen to a liar. I'm going, to spe- I'm going to listen to the truth. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to get in agreement with what God's saying. And what I believe God's doing. 
not what the devil's saying and what he's doing. Can you say amen? amen? You know, you go all the way back to the children of Israel. God sent Moses to them, promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. Again, here they are, they're slaves in, in the land of Egypt. And God makes these promises to them. And right out of the gate, notice what God says, right out of the gate, he says to Moses to tell the people over in Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. How many people know God sees the end from the beginning? Yeah, he see, God sees the whole picture. That's why you need to listen to him. Devil don't see the whole picture. Like we just finished saying, he's always trying to not see the whole picture. He doesn't want to see, he doesn't want to see his end. See, so he's always trying to deliberately blind himself to that. But God sees the whole thing, man. He sees the whole thing. And so he says this to Moses, right before Moses even goes into Egypt to get the children of Israel out. He notices verse 21. He says, and I will give, this chapter 3, verse 21, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. When you go out of Egypt, when you're actually leaving Egypt, you're not going to go out empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. You shall plunder the Egyptians. So this is what God says right out of the gate. This is what's going to, he sees the end. He says, this is the year to plunder. Plunder the Egyptians. It's the year of plenty. It's the year of plundering. Praise God, it's the year of taking back. Somebody say, it's my year of taking back. Do you believe that? See, you got to say it. Faith is in the heart and in the mouth. We got to declare it. That's all part of the fight and continue to declare it. And by the way, 2020 has already begun. We're already here. We're in the year that God promised us these things. So we're in faith in the year right now. So Moses goes to the children of Israel and in chapter four, he begins to share these promises. First says, well, notice this, verse 18. Now, it took a while for Moses to get in agreement with God on this. You know, if you know the story, Moses is like, man, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't talk. I stutter. I, 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 you, you, go, you need somebody else. I can't, I can't do this. How am I going to talk to, 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 to Pharaoh? Right? But notice this. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. So here goes Moses. He's got his wife and his children, and he is obeying God. He's finally going to do it after much pleading from the Lord to get him to go. Next thing that happens, Moses packs his bags. He sets up to go. Here we go. They start on their journey. Verse 24, and it came to pass on the way, at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Huh? I mean, the Lord just finally got him to go. Now he's going. He's going to obey God. And here he is on the way, and what happens? Next thing you know, it says, the Lord sought, the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Well, thank God for the New Testament. The New Testament gives us light for the Old Testament. Gives us understanding that we know that God isn't in the killing business. I mean, he's not going to send you to do something. And when you obey him to do it, he's going to kill you. Say, <laughs> I'm glad you're obeying me. Now I'm going to kill you. Right? I mean, is that, is that God? No. It's the devil. It's the, well, why does it say the Lord? Well, we could say it's the Lord's justice. The Lord says, see, the devil had place here. He had place here to attack Moses and tried to kill him. And what, what place did he have? Well, notice verse 25. Then Zipporah, that's Moses' wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. 
So he, we know who that is, it's the devil, let him go. Then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. See, Moses did not circumcise his son because of obvious pressure from his wife. She didn't want to have that happen. She didn't understand that. So so because of the pressure of his wife, he disobeyed God and he didn't circumcise his son. Well, now here he's going to obey God and the devil's looking to kill him. And so the devil finds an area where he can attack him. See? And so that's exactly what happened here. And so, but then they got it right. See? The devil came in and attacked, but it showed up the situation. They got it right, and bam, he was let go. But do you notice the adversity that came immediately? Here he's, yes, he receives, he finally takes God's word to heart, and he's obeyed and going. And what's the first thing that happens? The devil immediately meets him to kill him. Because it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But it all turned out for the good, didn't it? Turned out for the good. Moses ended up getting that right and was able to go on. Comes to the children of Israel and then he begins to uh, tell the elders of Israel, the leaders of the children of Israel, the promises that God had given him over in verse 29. Exodus 4, 29 says, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. They believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. They had themselves a worship service. Isn't that beautiful? Moses comes in there, tells them what the Lord said. Signs following Oh, man, God has visited us. Praise God. They're so excited about this word. They believe it. They fall down. They worship God. Oh, they give God thanks. Moses said, well, I'm going to go talk to Pharaoh now. I'll be back. So Moses goes in there and talks to Pharaoh. And in chapter 5, it says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast. To me in the wilderness. You know, God wants you to feast. God wants you to feast. You know, uh, Proverbs Proverbs 15, 15 says, He who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. That's where the feast starts. It's in your heart. It's not at Kroger's. Are you with me? It's not not what's put on your table. No, no, that, that follows. But it starts first where? In your heart. See, it starts by faith. It starts in your believing. He who's of a merry heart. See, that's a heart of faith. I said, that's a heart of faith. A merry heart is a heart of faith. He who's of a merry heart, he who has a heart of faith, has a continual feast. See, there's nothing interrupting the feast. They're enjoying the promises of God. Even though adversity is coming, they continue to feast on the inside. While fighting on the outside. And they'll fight on the outside until they're feasting on the outside. See, with faith feasts on the inside, fights on the outside until it's feasting on the outside. A continual feast, unbroken feasting, unbroken faith, uninterrupted faith. So he says, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. You know, God, that's what God wants you to do. God wants you to come and feast in his presence. He wants you to rejoice and celebrate him. He wants you to come and be excited. He wants to multiply your provision. He wants you to have more than enough. That glorifies him. He enjoys that. He enjoys that. The Bible says he delights in the prosperity of his servants. He delights in that. And Pharaoh said, verse 2, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. 
Well, they, they said some more things to Pharaoh. And verse 4 says, then the, then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. How many know the Pharaoh is a type of the devil? Yeah. And he'll drive you to work, to labor. God says, come and feast. Say, I can't come and feast, Lord. You don't have time. You don't have time to feast. You don't have time. I don't have time to spend time in the word of faith. I don't have time to do that. Lord, you know, I got to work. I got to work. There's work to be done. Verse 5, and Pharaoh said, look. The devil said, look. The people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. How did Moses make them rest from their labor? By simply preaching the word to them. Preaching God's word. Preaching God's word caused them to enter into faith, and faith is the rest. The rest. It causes us to rest. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, he who believes rests. So he's got them. He's, the devil's all upset about these people are resting. These people, these people are in faith. I mean, the devil's starting to have a panic attack here. This is very unnerving to the devil. Verse 6, so the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not diminish it for they are idle. Therefore they cry out saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. They're there. They want to they cry out to God and they want to pray. You know why they're praying? Because they're idle. They're not busy enough. Make them more busy. If you make them more busy, then they won't be busy about praying and busy about the promises of God. Get these people back to work. Does this sound familiar? Does anybody relate to this at all? Does this click? Huh? Yeah, this is, this is the type of what we deal with in life. The enemy comes, notice verse 9, let more work be laid on the men that they may labor in it and let them not regard false words. What words is he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. He's calling God's word fake news. Can you imagine the liar doing that? But that's what he'll do. See, he tries to unmind the word. He tries to get you to believe the word is a lie. Not true. It ain't going to happen for you. It's not going to happen for you. That's what he tries, he tries to do. Meanwhile, he's the one lying. God's word is the truth. But you see, how's the devil taking that word? How's he taking that faith? How's he taking their believing from him? How's he taking that rest of faith from their hearts? How's he doing it? By giving them the exact opposite of what God promised. God said feast. God said rest. God said all these great things. And he says more work and it's going to get harder now. Because I'm taking the straw. You're going to have to gather your own straw. And you're still going to have to make the same amount of bricks. It just got harder. Verse 10. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying. Thus says Pharaoh I will not give you straw. Go get Yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. Scattered to gather. And the taskmaster forced them to hurry, hurry, pressure, 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 pressure. More pressure comes, more pressure comes. This is what the devil will try to do to you. Try to put more pressure on you. Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when you, when there was straw. Well, needless to say, the people got discouraged. Notice chapter 6. In verse 6, it says, Therefore say to the children of Israel, this is God, the children of Israel are pretty, they're out there, Groaning because of their labor. 
And it says in verse 6, God speaking to Moses says, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. Ever say burdens? Ever say bondage? What does God want to do? Does, does God want to put you in bondage? Religion will put you in bondage. But that's not God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty. God's a God of liberty. He doesn't want you in bondage. He wants you burdened and bondage. He wants to destroy the yoke from your neck and remove the burdens from your shoulders. I remember I was on vacation, headed for vacation. I was driving down to the Panhandle, Florida, some years back. We were driving down there. We had just come into Florida, you know. We were, we were still driving, headed towards our destination. And, uh, you know, just getting ready to enjoy the Lord, you know. We went by a church, and that church had a sign outside. You know, these signs, and they put their little sayings out there. And, uh, and I read the sign, and it said, God gave us shoulders so we can carry burdens. God has given us shoulders. Thank you, God. See, we can handle the burdens because God's given us shoulders. Isn't that a blessing? I get this while I'm on the way to the beach. The church is telling me on the way to the beach. Don't go feast out there on the sand. God's given you shoulders, man, to be able to carry those burdens. No, that's not the Bible. The Bible says to roll all your burdens over onto the Lord. To cast all your care on him. Because he cares for you. He didn't give you shoulders to carry burdens. He gave you shoulders so you can carry the Holy Ghost. So the Spirit of the Lord could be upon you. Can you say amen? The Spirit of liberty. Anyway, I just threw that in there. I thought you'd appreciate it. (laughs) Chapter 6, verse 6. So notice... I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. This is God's promise. You know, he's still the same. I said he's still the same. Devil's still the same. Life is still the same in this world. But notice what God is saying. What he, look at those, the plans he has for you to rescue you, to bring you out. Verse 7, I'll take, I will take you as my people. I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I'll bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord your God. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And remember, honey, I got the silver and the gold and the clothing and all those things ahead of you. All these promises I have made to you, it shall all come to pass because I am the Lord your God. That's probably how Moses did it. He gets this word from God, goes to this, I'm preaching it. Verse 9, so Moses spoke. Thus, to the children of Israel, but they would not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. They wouldn't listen to him. They wouldn't heed what he's. This, this is now he comes back in and says, "I'm telling you guys, don't get discouraged. Come on, this is the year of the favor of the Lord. This is our time." This is what God has for us. And they're just looking at him. No response. Can I get an amen? Well, I was actually imitating Moses. Can I get an amen? No. Dead silence. Dead silence. This is not, church is not going well today for Moses. It's not going good. It's not going good. Notice again, they would not heed. They would not heed what he was saying to them. But we know the story. As time went on and trials and tests continued, 
God also continued to work behind the scenes and deal with the devil. And through the faith of Moses and some of the people that did believe and take hold of the word of God, eventually, notice what happens. Chapter 12, verse 35. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses... And they'd asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. That's what we read in chapter 3. Ten chapters ago. Ten chapters ago, this is what God said was going to happen. But I'm going to know, those ten chapters were ten long, agonizing chapters for the children of Israel. It was rough. But you know what? Moses, who was timid at the beginning, by the end of this thing, he was a transformed man. He didn't need Aaron speaking for him anymore. He said, excuse me, Aaron, I'll take care of this. He just grew in boldness through the whole process. Because he stayed in faith, he just got bigger in faith. He just got stronger in faith. And it helped pull a whole nation out of bondage into the blessing of God. Can you say amen? amen. But notice, again, there was, there was a process. And notice Pharaoh, notice how the devil works. He comes to steal the word. He comes, tries to present the very opposite of what God promised. Tries to tell you, no. It looks like it's going that way, but this is the way it's going. This is, why is this happening? And then see, people wonder, they go, well, you know, God promised us things in years past, and, you know, it didn't happen. And, and, and so, so why would it be any different now? Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what the devil is counting on. He's counting on people to just cast off their faith, cast away their confidence, and just say, well, I haven't seen it happen. Look, how have you fighted? How have you? I fought. I fought. It was kind of on and off, but I fought. A lot of times people are on and off in their fight. They wake up one day, shandai, randai, kebre, sote, and they're speaking the promises of God. At the end of the day, it's not quite that way. Skip a couple days, murmur and gripe a couple. Wednesday night. Praise God, that's right. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But by Friday, we're struggling. And Saturday, but thank God, Sunday. In the name of Jesus. Right? That's not how we fight. That's not how we win. You got to continue, continue all the way to the, a continual feast. I'm telling you right now to take out your fork, take out your knives, take out your spoons, put your bib on, get yourself in feasting mode and start feasting. Start celebrating. Start getting excited about the promises of God and do not stop. Don't let anything break up your faith. Don't let anything get in between what God is telling what you believe and the fulfillment of that promise. Say, I'm going to continue. Let's get aggressive, man. We got to get aggressive. We got to be bold about this. We got to be bold about this. You know, we see it over in the, in the book of Daniel, you know. Daniel goes before the Lord. He gets a hold of a promise in the word of God from, from Jeremiah the prophet. He takes it before the Lord. He's, he, 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 he's seeking understanding from God about some things concerning his nation. That right now they're in bondage to another nation. And so there they are, you know, he's, he's praying. The Bible says he goes into a, a fast mode. He's fasting and praying. He wasn't just not eating. He, he, the Bible says he ate no... Uh, desirable food. He just, he just ate just enough to just have some strength to keep going. In other words, he wasn't eating to have a good time. But he was in there praying, seeking God. And notice what it says in, in chapter 10 of Daniel. 
We've got to remind we're in a spiritual warfare. We fight the good fight. We fight. We've got to wage war. And it shall all come to pass, because God said so. If you don't grow weary, if you don't lay down your sword, if you don't just surrender to the enemy, to doubt and unbelief, what God said will come to pass. There's a lot of things he has said in his word to you and I. Can you say amen? Amen. So here in chapter 10, verse 12, Daniel's been praying. 21 days have gone past now. Verse 12 says, then this messenger comes in, and he said to me, this is an angel, an angel said to me, Daniel, for the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Your prayer was heard. When you set your heart, when you got in faith, when you took hold of God's word in your heart, you got into faith and you set yourself in prayer to see the fulfillment of this come to pass, he said, you were heard. That first day, you were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. So notice, God gives us some insight here. This angel comes and says, I was sent the first day. First day, you got in faith about this, I came. But... The enemy rose up and he created adversity and hindrances for me getting this answer manifested to you. Somebody say, there's a war going on. There's a war going on. And if you go back to chapter 7, here it talks about the beast, the devil. And it says in verse 25, he shall speak pompous words Against the Most High, that's the devil, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints will be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. That don't sound good. The saints are going to be given into the hands of the devil when he comes out to persecute them. But here... That word persecute, right here in the margin of my Bible, says it can also be translated wear out. Wear, everybody say wear out. So let's look at that again, with that, with that in there. Uh, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He'll contradict what God says. Shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hand. For a time and times, half a time. How are the saints going to be given into his hand? Because they grew weary in well-doing. They got worn out. If the Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing, let us not grow weary in well-doing. That means we don't have to grow weary. We don't have to be worn out. I'm telling you, the more you focus in on what the devil's saying and what the devil's doing, and you focus in on that and what you don't understand and what you don't believe, the more you're going to be tempted to grow weary and become worn out. And then when that happens, you're given into the enemy's hand, and he's able to plunder you of what God has for you. You got to focus in on what God is saying. You got to focus in on what God has promised. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. I said, you got to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. And you don't need to encourage yourself very much when things are going great. But you need to encourage yourself in the Lord your God in the midst of trials and tests. In the midst of the enemy coming with everything that's the opposite of what God promised. To try to wear you out. How did they get worn out? They got their eyes off of what God said and what God promised it. And they got their eyes on what the devil was doing. They got their eyes on his pompous words against the Most High. They got to listen to all his arrogant words against the Most High. Against the Word of God. 
They got to listening to that. They got to thinking on that. And it wore them out. And they were plundered. Doesn't have to happen. I said it doesn't have to happen. Doesn't have to happen to all the saints. Might happen to some saints, but it ain't going to happen to all the saints. It's not going to happen to me. Why don't you just declare I'm not going to get worn out? No, I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to renew my strength. I'm going to mount up with wings like eagles. I will not grow weary. I will not faint. I will go from faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory, grow in patience, endurance, and I will see the fulfillment of everything God has promised me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. Get up, celebrate, praise God. Let the party begin. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, you got to get a better shout about you than that. You got to shout. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God forever. Man, oh man, God is so good. So good, so good, so good. You know, uh, G and I, you know, we've gone through a little bit of a trial and test. And uh, something that keeps coming to me is, uh, is Job. The book of Job. Can I share that with you real quick? Just something. Now, this is very interesting. Uh, over here in Job, and I'm going to go to the back of the book of Job. I'm going to start at the end. And let me read to you Job chapter 42 and in verse 10. Are you ready? And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. That's shouting ground right there. Amen. Praise God forever. He doubled. He was already doing good. First chapter tells you how good he had it. But by the end of the year, I'm just telling you, by the end of the year, he doubled. So knowing that, if we went back in time and we met Job in chapter 1, and we came to Job as prophets from the future. And we spoke to Job. We could come to him and say, Job, this is your year. This is your year. You're going to double. And Job got all excited. He said, glory be to God. I'm going to double? You're going to double. Oh, hallelujah. And what came when he heard the word about double? Trouble. Trouble. That's what came. The devil came with the exact opposite. And the enemy came in and it looked like Job was completely plundered. Robbed of everything. And Job didn't have the Bible. He didn't have Life of Faith Bible Church. He, he didn't have what you and I have today. So he was, you know, there was a lot of confusion there. He did not understand. He wouldn't blame God. He just continued to worship God. And he grew. He grew in endurance. He grew in patience. The Bible says he's an example of long suffering. It says it over in the book of James. That we're to learn from Job's long suffering. That he stayed in there. Not knowing a fraction of what you and I know today about what goes on in the spirit. But he stayed in there and he continued to worship and exalt and bless God. And at the end, it all came to pass. It all came to pass. Man, he had a whirlwind experience with God most high. He came into greater revelation. He came into greater faith. And he came into greater of all good things that God had for him. Because that was God's intention from the very beginning. What is, what, what is the book of your life? The book of Terrence. What page are you on? I don't know. But I know the end of it. You, you might just be a few verses away. You might be a couple chapters away. But we're going to get there. You might be ten chapters away. Ten months away. I don't know. But bless God, we're going to see the promises of God come to pass in our life. And what the devil meant for evil is turning for our good and for his glory. 
I said, it's turning for our good and for his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.